I'm Susan McIntyre Brady. Welcome to the Better Understanding Podcast. Please join me in exploring what it means to lead inclusively. I am so excited to welcome Simmons University President, Dr. Lynn Perry Wooten to the podcast today. Dr. Wooten is a scholar and academic, and throughout her career, she has assumed a number of leadership positions. Prior to joining Simmons as our ninth president, Dr. Wooten served as the David J. Nolan Dean and Professor of Management and Organizations at Cornell University's Charles H. Dyson School of Applied Economics and Management. Prior to her position at Cornell, Dr. Wooten served on the faculty at the University of Michigan for nearly two decades, where she was the University of Michigan's Senior Associate Dean for Student and Academic Excellence and Clinical Professor of Strategy, Management, and Organizations at Michigan's Ross School of Business. Dr. Wooten's expertise lies in crisis leadership, positive organizing routines, strategic human resource management, workforce diversity and competitive advantage, and the development of emerging leaders. She has been a prolific author of journal articles and has published two books and some 15 edited authored and co-authored book chapters. Lynn and I met for the first time several years ago while she and I both contributed to the architecture of a game-changing effort designed for several amazing physician women leaders in academic medicine at Michigan Medical. It is exciting for me to be partnering with Lynn here at Simmons and to co-author a book together. We are co-authoring a book with fellow author Deloitte Board Chair Janet Foudy on the essential practices to arriving and thriving as a woman leader. To be honest though, I'm most excited about Lynn's vision for Simmons University and her deep lived commitment to leading inclusively. Hello, Lynn. Thank you for taking the time to be a guest on our Better Understanding podcast. Hello, Susan, and thank you for that introduction. There's so much more to your bio. I could go on, but what do you want our listeners to know about you that I didn't say? My parents inspired me to be inclusive leader. And when I reflect upon that, it's amazing and I'm grateful for them. My father was a clinical social worker and very progressive for his time and made sure that he exposed me to people from different backgrounds and to hear their story and be immersed in their story and to understand how differences add value to society. And in some ways, what we perceive as differences are very much similarities. And then with regard to my mother, she taught me about the service aspect of inclusive leadership. It's really about creating welcoming spaces so that people feel like they belong. That's part of my story is, is that they were my first role models for inclusive leadership. I've heard you talk about your parents. I haven't heard you say those specific things in that way. And I see that in your leadership style. I see the presence of, well, better understanding and service. How did you come to this work? after formative memories in your childhood? I came about this work starting in graduate education. And that was basically the early 90s when they were starting to talk about Workforce 2000 and how the world was going to change with more women entering the workforce and the browning of the workforce and the aging of the workforce, all these different aspects. And so there were several research projects in my graduate education and early on as assistant professor that made me curious about how do you pursue excellence while at the same time thinking about inclusive leadership. So I'll give you one example. One I did in grad school was looking at organizational culture. 
And what are the practices you need for organizational culture to be an inclusive leader? And the model that I created, and this model actually won a second prize award at a McKinsey conference was that there are four dimensions. The first is you need systems. If you wanna be effective at managing inclusive leadership, you need systems, policies, and practices and measuring those systems because we know that what we measure matters and what matters gets managed. The other component was creativity and innovation. There's not a one size fits all for organizations about inclusive leadership and being innovative creative has to fit your organization. And then I thought about the other two components of this model I developed was the notion of collaboration. How do we create collaborative cultures, breaking down silos, getting people to work across boundaries. One of my key words in my dissertation was busting bureaucracies. And that's what, if we're gonna be inclusive, we have to break down these silos. And then the final component, which I was early on doing in the 90s, is that diversity, equity, and inclusion as a source of competitive advantage. And what does that look like for your organization? That was one of my studies. I was very curious also about inclusion from the perspective of being a woman-friendly company mm -hmm. and the practices associated with that. So I did a study that talked about everything from mentoring and sponsorship and role modeling to work-life balance and childcare and affinity groups. And that was a women's-friendly study of accounting firms. In your research, building on this four-point model in your leadership experiences, what have you seen be the driving forces of why we need more inclusion at work? Our listeners may be new to inclusion or thinking of themselves as needing to learn about inclusive leadership. What's driving it? What have you found? Yeah, I'm going to go back to high school math for a second. And much of my research, as my husband jokes, will start with the dependent variable. And when I think about one of the reasons driving inclusive leadership is because it results in organizational effectiveness and competitive advantage. It makes the organization, the team, and the individual better. But if you unpack why we have this organizational effectiveness, people are more engaged. They feel like they belong to the culture. We know that diverse viewpoints result in creativity and innovation. And if we have the systems to support inclusion, we're more effective also. I just want to ask you to go back to the belong statement. Belonging is something that you and I have talked about. Yes. It's obviously, it's critical. What does it mean to you to belong? And can you talk about how that enables inclusion? There are lots of metaphors about that. And we talk about diversity as, you know, who do I invite to this particular party? And you want different people at the table with different skill sets, different backgrounds, different experience. And then when you think about inclusion, okay, I've invited these people into my organization or into my team now. It's that their voice is being heard. So inclusion is everyone's at the table, but I'm listening to their voice. Belonging to me, Susan, is that not only am I listening to their voice, I'm valuing their voice and I'm invested in their journey. And so valuing and ensuring their success too. Many people and organizations find it easy as step one to create a diverse workforce, a diverse team. And we'll get them all around the table and we'll, we can talk about best practices for being inclusion. But really belonging is we are a community. 
I'm that invested in you, you are invested in me, and we believe in each other's success. Let's build on that. Do you have a working definition of leading inclusively? Because I see you do this at Simmons. I've seen you do it in the past several months. It's really fun to be in the business I'm in and to be working with and for someone like you. So I feel like you do it naturally, but there's a lot of component parts. So how do I take that to the next step of the valuing and the building of community? And is that the definition of leading inclusively? Yeah, it's valuing and building community. Often when I think about inclusive leadership, you'll hear me very frequently say, inclusive leadership is the knowing, the doing and being about who you are as a leader. Inclusive leadership has to start with the inner work and your identity. We have discussed that a lot. So you have to know who you are. It's showing up and being authentic. You can't be inclusive until you understand who you are as a leader. And then the knowing part is this lifelong and life-wide learning. Every day when I wake up, I'm learning something different about inclusive leadership. How do I facilitate inclusive conversations? How do I respect and value someone from a different background? How do I ensure that people from under-resourced or under-representative backgrounds are successful in their Simmons experience? That's kind of this knowing and studying and modeling and framing. And each aspect of the inclusive leadership trajectory, you have a theory of change and how you can become more inclusive. And with that theory of change, you have to do some learning. And so this is kind of the being and the knowing. And then the doing is, you and I talk about this, it's everyday leadership practices. It's having a strong sense of values. It's being fair, it's being transparent. It's advocacy and allyship. It's opening the tent so more people can fit in while at the same time thinking win-win. You just listed a bunch of skills for inclusive leadership and to lead inclusively. What do you hear from leaders and what do you see that's painful about this? Where's the fear? Because there, there is some trepidation about all this. It is. I think the fear is people don't know how. They don't have the comfort to say, I have a team of people where people may be different and I don't know the next steps of inclusive leadership. I just don't know how to do it. It doesn't come natural to me. It's almost, Susan, if we go back to the middle school days, I love the scene in Mean Girls where you see the groups of people sitting together at their different lunchroom tables. Yep. The workforce is no different. Birds of a feather flock together and inclusive leadership takes lots of work. The starting point I ask managers to think about is after you do the self-work of understanding your identity and your strengths and your weaknesses, that you use every conversation. Use the conversation as a starting point to say, how do I have inclusive conversations? How do I demonstrate an interest in a person and my team and their journey and make them feel like they belong and that I'm invested in them? Meetings are another great platform, a stage to have inclusive practices where you're really making sure all the voices are heard and that they can contribute. It's those small steps of communication and opening the door. And then there's the personal behaviors of relationship. Every relationship has a two-way street for allyship and mentorship, but managers don't see it that way. And maybe because we've tried to depersonalize the workplace. But we spend so much time in work that relationships are important and thriving and high quality connections. And so stopping the depersonalization of the workplace helps with inclusive leadership also. 
the workplace, is, as we both know, is, is the driving force of some of this need to learn how to understand and, and maximize and leverage difference. Because to your point, we're forced to sit with other people and people who aren't like us at the table at work, you know, right. in the virtual space, right? Even so in the, it's a continuation of your K-12 and college education at a different level of inclusion. By and large, I think leaders are somewhat ill-equipped. I know I was. I have shameless plug here for our work of the inclusive leader. I'm really excited about the kinds of things Simmons is unearthing at the Institute, but also with your leadership about how to make this easier for leaders to understand. I love stories. You are a great storyteller. Can you tell a story about when you have felt you have fostered inclusion or greater understanding? One story I can think about was early on my career, it goes back to being a grad student teaching my first course. That was teaching a core corporate strategy class to seniors and having a diverse class. I had a student who had just come back from Mecca. He missed a week of class and he went to Mecca to make his pilgrimage. And if you know anything about that particular Muslim faith, that's one of the things that you do, a big thing. And using that as a teachable moment so that the student did not feel bad about missing class, but that all of us can learn about one, what is the pilgrimage to Mecca? Why was it important for the student's faith? And where there's similarities across other religions that we make this. And so this is unusual, right? That a professor is taking time in a corporate strategy class to create a safe and inclusive space to learn about someone's religious journey. And that goes back to the power of stories. You ask what can we do as inclusive leaders? Take time to hear someone's story and make connections with the story of who you are and what the organization is doing. I love that story. I now know, I mean, I didn't have to, stretch too far, but I, I read about all these awards you got for being like the most loved professor <laughs> by her students. And I'm like, that's just awesome. When did others do this for you? Do you have a story in your own life where you were brought from feeling on the outside to feeling like you belonged? I do. I, I thought about this in preparing for the podcast. I have a professional and personal mentor named Larita Thomas. And I don't know if you met Larita. Larita is the retired chief HR officer at the University of Michigan. And she is someone just that exemplifies inclusive leadership. It's in her DNA. I don't think this woman ever sleeps or anything. And she does it in multiple ways. One is when she meets someone, she intentionally welcomes them into the community. So when my husband and I moved back to Ann Arbor in 98, she welcomed us into the community socially, but also back to the University of Michigan. Another practice that she does for inclusive leadership is she looks for opportunities for you to grow. Remember how I said this belonging is about growth and looking for opportunities. So if she saw something that I liked for my career, she sent me an email or she would introduce me to a person, or she would invite me to be on a committee. And she does this for everyone. So you feel that you belong in her space. And not only on the professional side, if she saw something my children liked. She knew stories and she sends birthday cards and holiday cards in addition to being the vice president of human resource management for a large university, but always lifting as she climbs and thinking about you. She was masterful and that she was a leader who didn't take all the experiences and keep it for themselves. And so she invested in your development by delegating and showing and modeling it away. She would say, you could share this, or you can be on this committee, or you could lead this. 
and I'm going to be your partner for success. Oh, I just want to bottle her up and spread right. her to every <laughs> company on the planet. <laughs> and even now she's working with our HR director at Simmons as a mentor. So oh, that's a favor. Awesome. Right. That is incredible. Gosh, it's, that was very inspiring. I, I thought, you know, it takes a lot of connectional intelligence to exactly. think of others so often, and it does make you feel seen. So you talked a little bit about skills. We talked a little bit about what might be hard about this. Let's talk about better understanding. What's the role of understanding and how do we cultivate it? The role of understanding is sometimes the work of diversity, equity, and inclusion is a barrier because we don't understand the value of it. And it goes back again, we don't understand the story. I spend so much time in my own leadership practice understanding the story at multiple levels and what the story means for a culture of inclusion. I gave an example of how Lorita, when I relocated to the community, wanted to know my story and why I came back and what I wanted to accomplish personally and professionally. But even when we join organizations, Susan, organizations have history. And part of understanding the story is knowing that history. We know Simmons University was founded by John Simmons to create an educational experience so that women go to college and earn an independent livelihood. So what does that have to do with inclusion in 2021? What's the story? How can we understand it? Because that story and the understanding has changed from 1899 to 2021. So understanding is complex. It involves reflection, understanding history. It also involves thinking about the future. You hear me say Sankofa is looking back to see what we want to grab and then moving forward. And that's what inclusion is about, understanding how the world is changing the context of it. For our listeners, can you say a little bit more about Sankofa? Yeah. I'll give you one definition. Sankofa is an African word. The, little, the literal translation of the word and the symbol is, it is not taboo to fetch what is at risk of being left behind. And I talk about it a lot in the leadership journey, especially everyday leadership. And if we don't understand our history and our past, we can't learn from it. And we don't know what we want to carry forward. Going back to the mission of Simmons and the work you're doing for the Institute, we definitely want to carry John Simmons' mission forward of women earning a livelihood. But let's fast forward now and think about the future of inclusion and women in the workforce. The world's changing, so what does that look like? Different career paths, different ways of balancing work-life family, how we bridge the liberal arts and professional education. Thinking about degree completion programs are all examples at Simmons of how we're taking our paths and moving it forward, but still keeping that mission, that understanding that we need to be intentional and inclusive about advancing women. The work you're doing at the Institute, I think has changed over time in the last decade, but there's some things you've carried forward. For sure. And it's funny, I was just talking about the importance of agility in our thinking, not just to be resilient and bend with the times, but also not to get too wedded to a certain way. Although I wouldn't say agility and thinking is the most important skill for inclusive leadership. It's one of them. It is. What would you say is the most important skill that we can practice that will lead to more inclusivity? I'm going to couple agility with learning in the term that my colleagues, um, Scott DeRue and Sue Ashford talk about when they talk about learning agility. We have to learn and then we have to quickly pivot and adapt. 
the pandemic is an example about how we've had to reimagine inclusion. How do you create inclusive spaces in a Zoom world where you don't see people in person? How do you think about equity and this pandemic and make sure that you're including maybe voices and people who are not heard are all examples where we had to pivot quickly, be agile and learn. And so learning agility is very important for inclusion. What do you wish to leave people with? What actions do you suggest our listeners take to continue their own journey of understanding about inclusion, especially in light of, frankly, the global health crisis we've been in? Susan, you called it out. I'm in higher education. You've been in the corporate sector. It doesn't matter if you're in healthcare, you're in K-12, you're in hospitality. The world is not going to be the same. The world has had a disruption. And when we go back to any kind of, there's not, there's going to be a new normal, which is going to require us to rethink about inclusion. So what are some practices that transcend? One is you have to understand what's happening in your environment. I talked about looking back, looking forward. You have to look outside and you have to look inside too. How can I use technology to leverage that? What are some social trends? I mean, there, all of us have Zoom fatigue, but there's some things we love about Zoom. I've been able to connect and meet with people around the world that I would have never met with so easily if it wasn't for Zoom and technology. So how do I use technology? All those types of things. How am I becoming even more efficient so that I have more time to be inclusive in my work practices? Inclusion to me also is about well-being and resiliency. If we're caring and investing in people in our inclusive cultures, as I said, we're ensuring that they have well-being and that they're resilient to adapt. And that has to be part of inclusion. It's not only, as I say, inviting people to the table, it's being invested in them. And so managers are going to have to own relationships more, I believe, to be inclusive leaders. It's not that I just show up and I run the finance department, I get all the accounting and the finance investments done. Your number one job is really leading your people and creating a winning team, which goes to teamwork. Inclusive leaders are good at making the sum greater than the parts. So I see the best in Susan, I see the best in Michelle, I see the best in Tom and David. And when I bring them around this table with inclusive practices, one plus one plus one should be greater than four. And so creating this synergies, being this multiplier for talent is such a big aspect of inclusive leadership. Boy, what a perfect note to end on. The call to action to multiply the talent we all get to work with every day. I really love what you said that you can't be inclusive until you know who you are as a leader. Lynn, thank you so much for being with us. There's so much goodness here. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed our time together. I really appreciate it. And oh, I just, I'm so excited to be working with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be working with you, Susan. Thank you so much. At the core, leading inclusively starts with a desire to understand. So we hope the Better Understanding podcast sparks something for you that leaves you wanting more. Thank you, everybody, for joining.